welcome to the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. This is episode 140, Matthew Signs Off. Wait, what, what? Hold on a second. I'm your host, Ryan Spilkin, and joining me today are Brenda Burl and the aforementioned Matthew. But what are you, Matthew, you're signing off? What's that about? Uh, dear listeners, despite Ryan's supposed confusion, um, I'm not springing this on him with a Trello card. I am announcing, though, this will be my last podcast with the Atlassian Ecosystem podcast uh, and uh, potentially, you know, last time in the Atlassian Ecosystem in general. So uh, I have been with Adaptivist for seven and a half years now and working with Atlassian Software for 15, but I have accepted a position at another company called Stride Learning and we'll join them just next week as a director of product management for Career Platform. So I'm very sad to be leaving Adaptivist. I'm especially sad to be leaving Ryan and Brenda, um, not just because of this podcast, but we've worked together for a long time. And um, uh, and the rest of my teams here at Adaptivist, uh, just tremendously brilliant people, all of whom I love. Um, but at the same time, I'm very excited for this new opportunity to uh, develop the strategy and the vision for this this career platform and contribute to Stride's mission of helping learners of all ages reach their full potential through teaching and personalized learning. Um, it's something I'm really passionate about. And uh, I think that's a big part of how we make our society, our whole world better is by improving education for people. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm ambivalent. I think uh, it's probably the best word to use. I'm thrilled and sad and excited and happy and uh, a bit morose. Maybe a little thirsty. You could use a snack. Could use a snack. <laughs> We're coming up on lunchtime, um, as we so often are with this podcast. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, yeah, this is it. Uh, these, uh, for better or worse, will be the last release notes and updates on which I report um, for the Alaskan Ecosystem Podcast. So thank you all for listening to me ramble for these years we've been doing this. I don't know how long it's been now. Almost five years, I think, that we've been doing this podcast. Almost five years. Yeah. Um, thank you all. I'm sorry I won't get to see you next time at Team uh, at, at, a, at a conference. We always enjoyed connecting with our listeners at the conference. And I'm sad I won't get that opportunity again. But I'm thankful for the opportunities I did have. And so thank you all for listening and for this opportunity to, to talk about Alaskan with you. We're excited for you. We're going to miss you. We're a little bit angry with you, but mostly we're happy for you. <laughs> I'm just upset that you gave away my gag at the beginning. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that your beginnings are always a gag. <laughs> <laughs> or someone is gagging one of the two both can happen at the same time so why not both that being said we can't let matthew off easy there are a ton of updates to get to so let's jump into the Alassian cloud brenda take it away i have the privilege of bringing you some jira platform updates in the cloud First and foremost, you can now restore dashboards from the trash. Atlassian has heard there are times you might want a dashboard back after you delete it. So they've added the option to restore that dashboard instead of deleting it right away. Dashboards that have been deleted will be restored, uh, are restorable until they are permanently deleted after 60 days. Uh, so you have 60 days to change your mind once you've deleted that dashboard. 
There's also a faster way to refresh your dashboard. So for the ones you don't delete, um, you don't have to refresh your gadgets one by one and you don't have to reload the entire dashboards page. You can now get the latest updates to all gadgets in just one click um, by going to a dashboard and selecting refresh. All workflow validation errors will now be showing in one place. Um, again, Atlassian has heard your cries, going back and forth with errors while working with issues could be a hassle. So all validation errors will now be in one place if you have multiple validation errors when creating an issue or moving an issue through its workflow. Admins can now retain access to a private filter by changing its owner. Uh, losing private filters from deleted users can be something of a hassle. So admins will now have the power to change who owns both private and shared filters. So if a private filters owner leaves your team, Matthew, sorry, couldn't resist, had to get the jab in. Um, you can still access that filter by having its owner changed. And this is written as collaborate easier, which triggers all of my grammatical pedantry. You can now collaborate more easily with edit permissions. No longer have to copy and recreate filters just to collaborate. A filters owner can give anyone on the team permission to edit it. Uh, but go to the filter, select details, and then edit permissions. Jira Software uh, sends me right back to our Star Wars jokes from the other episode where a name that we haven't seen in a very long time has arisen. And that's Fisheye. It's looking at you out the side of its face. But the first update for Jira software <laughs> is that you're now able to bulk review all Fisheye commits associated with a single Jira issue. Uh, if you are still using Fisheye Crucible uh, and you've got that integrated with Jira software, Atlassian has added a new bulk review link to the commits tab in the development details dialog. So rather than creating individual reviews for each file, you can now create reviews for all the commits associated with the Jira issue in one go. Matthew, <laughs> do you feel a disturbance in the force? <laughs> I don't. Our, our listeners may have picked up the implication here, but just to make it perfectly clear, there is no FACRU for cloud. This isn't talking about fish like usable cloud. It's on-premise only. This is for when you've integrated or you, you for whatever reason, want to integrate fish like usable on-prem with your Jira software cloud um, instance. So yeah, um, Fecker did have, you know, they've got their, their DC um, version. So apparently it lives on. Well, uh, checking these release notes on a routine basis, you'd think I'd know that. <coughs> and yet, <laughs> also in Jira software, the code feature has gotten an update to make it easier for you to use it. Once you jump into the code in Jira page, it's going to provide you with guidance on help you to connect your SCM tool, link repositories into your Jira software project, see development insights, and, uh, and more. To check that out, go to code in the project menu. Roadmaps in Jira software have been updated to give you inline issue create for story level issues. And I love this. Now, when you want to insert child issues into your roadmap view, you won't need to reposition them after they're created. This new update allows you to create and then insert a child issue. Boom. Just hover on the edge of two issues between which you'd like to create a new one, select the plus that appears, make your issue, put it in the roadmap, get your teams to work on it. Boom. Job done. 
Also in the roadmap section of Jira software, you can now infer dates from releases. You can schedule issues based on the releases to which they're assigned in the same way you could with sprint dates. We will provide you with links in the show notes to learn more about the wild world of scheduling issues. And uh, let me tell you, oh baby, it's a wild world. Uh, and finally, in the roadmaps in Jira software, you are able to edit issue descriptions from the roadmap view, which will make your life in that uh, area much easier. Turning to Jira service management in the cloud, there is a new permission that's been added, uh, creating an additional granularity. Uh, this is the um, sort of extending the permission to edit an object now will also allow you to add comments to an object and edit or delete any existing comments. So that's under the activity and then comments um, section in the object view. Uh, that said, if you have a free plan or an evaluator, there is a new feature slash feature removal uh, in these release notes. Content editing for customer notifications is disabled for free plans and evaluators now. Um, Atlassian giveth and Atlassian taketh away. There've also been some changes to incidents in Jira service management to improve communications around them. So uh, if you have your Jira service management uh, cloud instance connected to a Slack workspace, uh, you can automate the creation of dedicated chat channels for each incident. So you can, you can have a channel automatically created for an incident. Um, this is a really good way to uh, bring the whole team together in one place, uh, you know, swarm on the incident, get it resolved, conduct an after action, you know, meeting, uh, great way to do it. Um, note that of all of these sort of different features, the ability to create the channel, there's gonna be the ability to send emails to incident stakeholders and, and automatically update them to mark an incident as major and view them in a separate queue, like all kinds of improvements here. Um, some of them will automatically happen or be visible. Some have to be turned on. So you'll need to go uh, investigate this. And if you are like me uh, with my perennial cloud instance, uh, you may not see these yet. Um, so check on them over the next week or so. Um, also, the major incidents section that pulls in incidents from Ops Genie has um, been removed, as well as the uh, create major incident button from the top of issue review that's, that's also been removed. Um, instead, there's now a major incident toggle under the detail section of the issue view. So you, you would just create an issue and then you would toggle it to say that it's major instead of having this whole separate workflow for it. So that simplifies the, the UI and the creation process a little bit. Uh, there's a community post that we'll uh, link to. Um, that it's just linked to from the release notes. So you, know, you, you can find your way there that goes over all the different changes to instance. So just a ton of, of, of changes there all at once. Do you think that's going to make a, like add a level of intimidation to the person who's filing the incident? Oh God, is it major? Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, hopefully you're you already have a service management policy that helps determine whether or not it's considered major, depending on the systems that are impacted um, and the uses of those. So, having a policy does not lessen the anxiety of submitting that's, something. That's fair. Yeah, fair enough. Especially if you cause the incident, but that's a whole other story. Right. <laughs> yeah. It does make it easier to change your mind, though. You can toggle it on or off. Um, so if you put it in wrong, uh, you can fix that. Uh, SLA format for longer dates has been approved. I don't know how we didn't know how long dates were before. Uh, you know, but uh, uh, it's it's introducing relative 
time and day. So today, yesterday, tomorrow, or you can do exact date for, for breach SLAs and a tool tip to show if, um, if you've got relative dating on there. And last, uh, QR code enabled and insight for Jira service management. I'm 99% certain this is one of the features we've had on-prem for a long time. I think Insight started with barcodes back in the day. Um, I was using Insight, oh, geez, nine-ish years ago. Um, <laughs> but I can't remember if the barcode thing was built into Insight or if I had a separate um, approach for that. Uh, you know, We've moved on from barcodes as a society, uh, or we're starting to anyways, to QR codes where you can have more metadata embedded in them. You have clearly not gone grocery shopping and done a self-checkout uh, well, recently. <laughs> groceries don't have a lot of metadata for them, but when you're doing asset management, there's a lot of value to using QR codes. Couldn't um, resist, sorry. So to, to help with managing um, physical assets, uh, you can now print QR codes, uh, which you can then tape or you can put them in a label uh, as part of a label maker to um, manage them better through Jira Service Management Cloud, um, which is which is pretty sweet. Um, there's a wide range of scanner guns as well that I, I don't know. I love to research <laughs> scanner guns for scanning these types of things, but we won't, we won't go into that now. That's we, we can move on uh, to our next cloud. Uh, in five, years, in five years of doing this podcast, we've never gotten to talk about scanner guns, but I'm totally not surprised it's true. that you enjoy looking at scanner guns. What I want, <laughs> what I want to know is, is if you can, um, create a QR code and then program a swarm of drones to fly it up into the sky to illuminate the night so that people can scan it and find out about, uh, I, I mean, you lost me in the end there, but the beginning of it, I was like, Amazon's got that. <laughs> and all the scanning guns you could ever ask for. It's true. There is no segue from that. So I'll just move on. <laughs> Over in Jira Work Management, you can now customize the cards on your board to see the information that's most important to you. You can choose to see as much or as little on the cards as you wish to adjust the information you see. You select more at the top right of your screen on the board view, select customize cards, and then choose what values you'd like to be visible on your cards by selecting or deselecting the fields you'd like to view. And that will automatically adjust on your board view. Confluence Cloud has some nice new features, including transforming a page into a blog. There are probably a lot of great reasons why you take an idea, start it out as a page, and then it turns into a blog when you're ready. Sometimes content needs a little bit more time to gestate or ferment, whatever you want to use. So you have a few options for when you make the switch. Um, you can keep your page as a draft and then use the More Actions menu, also known as the Ellipses menu, to publish it as a blog, or you can publish it as many times as you need, then use the Ellipses menu to convert it to a blog. Both of the options, however you choose to publish, will move the page into the blog section of the space where the page was initially created. Any comments that are included in the page will be transferred over to the blog as well. If you want to remove those, well, delete, resolve at your leisure. An update that I find super interesting because it points to bigger things happening in the background is Confluence Cloud now generating a recommendation of what pages to archive. Uh, Atlassian has added a notification email that will recommend archiving pages that have been excluded by a bulk archiving action. 
With the ability to archive a page in all of its nested pages or a whole branch of the page tree, sometimes not all pages in the branch can be included. This happens when the archiver doesn't have the right permissions to view a nested page or doesn't have the permission to archive the page or uh, either way, there are ways that can, there are circumstances that can lead to a page not being archived. If any of your pages are left behind, uh, Confluence will go all Kirk Cameron on you and let you know in an email. What this points to, to me, is that the statistics about page usage are starting to make their bubble their way into the way people use the tool. And that's something that is really interesting for the future. I think there's going to be some stats and some information that um, savvy information managers <clears throat> can use to, to determine where people are engaging with content and confluence. And that's pretty cool. Now, this one, I'd like to know your two opinions on, because all collaborators will now get credited as page authors because the person who starts a page isn't necessarily the same person who finishes it. And if more than one person have been working on something together, Atlassian thinks that you all deserve credit, even if you're just fixing the grammar. So that's why they're changing the byline on Confluence pages so that all collaborators, anyone who edits the page and makes changes, will be credited as an author, not just the first person who created it. So uh, is this good? I mean, it is good. It's good to show that, but are they? is everyone an author? My reaction to that is, what's the limit? How many people can I get collaborating on a page and how long can I make that byline? Yeah, I, I do wonder in terms of the, the UI, how long that will get. Um, I would, I'm going to, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that UI wise, it's going to be fine and it's going to be beautiful and everything will be great. Um, I can imagine a line of 20 people and it not working great, but like, let's give them the benefit of the doubt that they've thought that through. Right. Um, I think there's, I think there is good benefit here. Um, you know, sometimes somebody creates a page and that's literally all they do. They create it and other people go and, and do the work. Um, sometimes the last person who edited it didn't have a meaningful change. The reason I think this is valuable is I've worked at organizations before. Uh, you can look at my LinkedIn and probably guess which one because I've only worked at two so far. I'm about to join my third. But let's just leave it out. I've worked at organizations No one will ever know. Where <laughs> it was, it was uh, shockingly political and challenging to get people the credit they deserved for the work that they performed. Um, and specifically around writing content, getting people a byline, again, I, I thought that would be straightforward. They wrote it. They, they did the work. But there was there was pressure to to hide that um, and to not give certain people for certain reasons. And I, I you know, we don't need to uh, air this out from years ago. But like some of you, your listeners, you, you've been around. You can guess, uh, you know, why someone might want to. I don't think there's any word better than discriminate um, uh, when it comes to this type of thing. So there's part of me that looks at this and goes. I, I like building that in. Uh, it takes the control out of the hands of of somebody who might be more discriminatory. Um, so it seems like a small thing, right? But especially when you're starting your career, um, being able to point at something and be like, I contributed, I wrote, I did that. 
that's part of my portfolio, that's part of the value that I provide, and and having that displayed in a way that can't be ignored, um, that can't be removed or taken from you, I think that's very powerful. I think this is a good move. Yeah, nice. Finally, in Confluence Cloud, they've added ADG3 flags. So uh, Atlassian needs to keep up with the new style. They are, they're at Fashion Week, they're everywhere. Uh, and they have updated notifications in Confluence. So instead of the top right-hand notification that everyone's used to, you can now expect to see it in the bottom left. Shock and horror. <laughs> Last, uh, we've got some updates to Compass, which we always delight seeing in um, uh, in these releases. Oh, it's every other week. But uh, this week's time, I'm not going to read the first one in verbatim. It's create a new component that's automatically added as a dependency. The paragraph then goes on to use the word component six times, the word dependency four times. Um, what it's really doing is built, it's a, it's a sort of an automation where when you create a component, you can, you can in that moment, like when you do it, create a relationship um, between the one you've just created and the one that you're looking at. And I, I'm assuming um, we don't get any pictures or sick GIFs, but I'm assuming there's a way to map dependency relationship here. Uh, such that um, if if you want to have an upstream dependency created, it's just automatically doing that. So huzzah. Um, and then going forward, that dependency mapping is built in whenever you select that component. So that's that's cool. Um, it's just a hard thing to describe in text. Um, I think this is, I mean, dependency mapping for me is always a visual medium. Uh, it would have been nice to, to to show this, but that's okay. That's not how these release those work. If you like a visual map of dependencies, do I have some good news for you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because the next Compass uh, feature is visualizing component dependencies on a spatial interactive map. Uh, another sick feature that uh, is not in my lasting cloud instance yet. Not that I've really been doing anything with Compass, but I, I love this idea. Um, so uh, when you add component dependencies in Compass, which now you can do six times faster, uh, you can um, uh, generate this, this dependency map to see a visualizations of those with a component-centric view of the software infrastructure. And then you can traverse that map to view and understand the interdependencies amongst the components or navigate to a particular component's details page to find out more about it. So uh, sweet. I love that it's just building that automatically. Um, though this, you know, this is the type of thing that in the past uh, plugins would have done. Um, there have been multiple uh, visualization plugins created for Atlassian products. Uh, Compass is, is building it out of the box, which I, I got no bones about that. I think that's great. Um, but like so many things, it does signal, you know, where is Atlassian headed with cloud in the future? Will there be more of these types of things where uh, vendors, you know, external vendors have built them in the past that Atlassian is just going to start doing? I think the answer is probably yes. Over in Bitbucket Cloud, uh, so Matthew, you may not have gotten any GIFs in your Compass release notes, but there are some GIFs in a blog post we're going to link to about Bitbucket's redesigned branch page. And these GIFs show diffs, and I, for some reason I found that unbearably funny, so apologies to everyone, uh, but there are GIFs of diffs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have those gift diffs up in a GIF. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> you can't say GIF uh, and GIF. Wait. Yeah, I was going to say, do you pronounce GIF or GIF? Because if the GIF diffs, up in a GIF. 
<laughs> I feel terrible for our transcriptionists. And we've effectively broken all of our brains. <laughs> so to try and rein it back in, Bitbucket Cloud, uh, there is a redesigned branch page that Atlassian have taken diffs and commits on a single page rather than having them spread on different tabs. Uh, you will also be able to see the, the file headers of the diffs as you scroll through the files so that you don't lose your place when you're viewing long diffs. Uh, a lot of nice little features that have been made to make it just easier to review differences between branches. Um, also, each diff is collapsible so that you can mark your progress and reduce your scrolling as you review the branch. Each diff's side-by-side -side view is now available inline instead of as a modal window. So it's a lot of nice usability features for viewing the diffs. Uh, check out the GIFs in the blog post. In addition, uh, the sidebar now has a file tree that includes key details on collapsible cards, including things like build status and relevant pull requests between the two branches, giving you a quick reference at any time. And on the right sidebar is an improved file tree for navigating between different files. In the diff, you can see the status of each file, the number of diffs in each, um, and you can tell which files have the most changes without having to open each one. So some, some naviga navigability, is that a word? I made it up. Um, navigation improvements there. Better support for forked repos. Previously, the branch page did not support cross-fork comparison, but now it does. On a forked repository, the compare option displays all the branches from the original repo for comparison. If you are using Bitbucket Cloud, these changes will be progressively rolled out over the next few weeks. So enjoy your improved branch reviewing experiences on Bitbucket Cloud. Over in the on-premise world, Jira Software 8.22.1 has been released with a whopping one story in it. <laughs> now, this one story is is interesting. It has a little bit of a it has a little bit of a thread going on it because up until Jira Server or Data Center 8.18, users used to be able to receive Jira notifications without being granted application access. So you could have, theoretically, JIRA notifications being sent to people who were not JIRA users. Now, this was viewed as a security issue, and so it was removed from JIRA 8.19 on. However, there is there has been a need for JIRA administrators to communicate, to have notifications go out to people who weren't necessarily JIRA users, but were still actively engaged in the work. So with Jira Software 8.22.1, this feature has been added back in. Um, think of it as a notification-only account that does not eat up a Jira license. So from here out, you can create uh, a list of users who can receive Jira notifications without actually using Jira. Right. So like your, your C-level executives, that that's, uh, seems likely yeah. here. But um. <laughs> in Jira service management 4.22.1, uh, we've got uh, nine, read them, nine issues. One is the aforementioned story, add the ability to send Jira notifications to users who don't have application access. The rest are bug fixes. 
so, um, a few related to insights, some editing that, that wasn't working or a custom field not showing values in transition when referencing another custom field value, like some edge case type things that probably not everybody had hit. Uh, adding multiple single user picker fields to the custom portal caused some fields to not be editable. So like if you're, if you're hitting some of these issues uh, where, where things aren't working as expected, um, you know, we'll link as always to these and it might be time to do an upgrade. Um, but uh, again, you know, some of these you, you may not be experiencing. In Confluence on-prem, we actually have two releases to tell you about. Uh, 7.16.3 is a bug fix release. Uh, includes five bug fixes, including directory synchronization failing if there's duplicate users pre present in Active Directory or LDAP, space ID not being updated for custom objects when their containers are moved to another space, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then hot off the presses as of the morning we record this, Confluence 7.17. Some highlights of 7.17 include making your integrations more secure with OAuth 2.0. Uh, you can now configure Confluence as an OAuth 2.0 client and provider, allowing it to exchange data with external applications in both directions, either by giving external applications access to Confluence data or letting Confluence request data from those applications. Uh, this allows you to make your current integrations more secure and reliable. Uh, there are some new monitoring screens allowing you to use JMX. So if you're already using JMX to monitor, uh, things like memory usage and CPU utilization. There is now application monitoring within Confluence itself, which is pretty cool. There are some app-specific metrics that can allow you to diagnose performance problems and spot issues before they happen. There are some performance monitoring dashboards to get you started. Uh, so if you don't currently have any monitoring, now would be a great time to take a look at it. There are some Graphana templates that you can use out of the box or as a jumping off point to build your own dashboards. You can encrypt database passwords stored in the confluence.cfg.xml file for JDBC connections only. There are now two encryption methods, a base64 cipher and an algorithm cipher and the ability to create your own cipher. 7.17 also adds support for Postgres 12, 13, and 14. And you can now disable individual health checks in your troubleshooting and support tools, which is useful if you want to skip particular checks. For a full list of resolved bugs, and there's, there's 48 resolved issues with this release, uh, check out the release notes, which we will link to in our show notes. And one thing to note is all of these updates are available for both data center and server. It's been a long time since we've had a release that applies fully to both. In particular, I think this is an upgrade that like you want to do as soon as possible and get that database password encrypted. Um, I have not had to run uh, a, a Confluence site for a long time. I mean, you know, almost eight years. Uh, I This is one of those updates where I'm like, you, you couldn't already do that? Like it is the year of our Lord 2022. <laughs> we, we ought to have... That why is why could why was this password still being stored in plain text? It's not terribly terribly insecure because like it's on prem, right? You should have your firewalls, everything else in place. But the ability to have these things encrypted has been around for for long enough now. I was I was shocked. So um, 
Yeah, seven dot seventeen. I would be I would be upgrading. Take advantage of this just as quickly as possible. I think these are some some really big improvements, and I think it's awesome that Atlassian has put them out for both server and data center. However, the next Confluence update is cloud only. Still pretty sweet though. We will link to a developer blog uh, titled "Bringing You New Confluence GraphQL APIs." Uh, reading through this, there's, there's not a lot that says this is uh, cloud only, but as you get into the documentation, uh, you've, you've got to have a cloud ID to um, call the APIs. Now, as has already been well established on this podcast, I am not a developer. Uh, I will never be writing anything against the APIs, uh, not just because, again, sadly, I'm leaving Adaptivist in a week, um, <laughs> but uh, also because um, I, I wouldn't really know where to start. But there are multiple products uh, that I have managed to adapt with and worked with that, you know, we've been increasingly using GraphQL uh, to interact with. It is sweet. It's slick. It's, it's something that, like, I can see the value of. Um, and I, I'm really excited that Atlassian is um, kind of standardizing on this, is bringing it in. Because there's so many other um, systems that are starting to use GraphQL uh, it means that for people who are learning how to work with GraphQL, um, those skills are going to be very transferable, right? Like um, you're going to be able to work with a bunch of different things. So like one of the um, content management systems that we're starting to use Adapt is called GraphCMS, uses GraphQL. And not only will you know how to work with that API, but it means if you want to build an integration between multiple systems that are using GraphQL to move content around, it's just going to be easier and easier. So uh I love seeing this. I love seeing Atlassian not build a walled garden. Uh, I love seeing investment in a, a standard platform for, for API development. Um, this is beta right now. Um, so you've got to use a, a specific header when making the query, but there's great documentation here to help you get started with it and start exploring um, you know, some example workflows for confluence uh, of building things out. And trying it out. This is um, specifically Confluence Cloud, uh, GraphQL API in beta right now. But my assumption and hope is this will continue um, spreading out to the rest of the uh, Atlassian products and bring tremendous value um, to the to the Atlassian ecosystem and users. So uh, thrilled to see this move. I spoke with uh, Adaptivist CTO, Chief Technical Officer, John Mort, about this article. And uh, he, he says, and I quote, I'm excited about this. And at the same time, I want more investment in the REST API. So mm. yeah, we got a yes and from the CTO. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I was wondering in the back of my head if this was a signal of moving away from REST. If, if we're going to start getting, you know, it will it be both? Or are they going to transition? Um, REST API support in cloud has always been, you know, like to date. I mean, cloud is iterating, growing, right? But but REST API support is is still not as robust as most developers would like uh, in cloud. I wonder if they're evaluating GraphQL because it is beta, yeah, right? Yeah. Time for evaluation. I wonder if they're evaluating GraphQL to potentially replace REST for uh, for cloud. Well, we will uh, text you if, if there's news. Thank you. On that Thank you. <laughs> and finally, Team 22 is happening in like a week, right? We're recording this on Tuesday, March 22nd. <laughs> Team kicks off on April 5th or 6th. 
And it's right around the corner. I believe it is is actually April 6th. So if you're coming, I'm going to be there. Come see me. I'm the, the big, weird-looking guy in the adaptivist booth with the, the name tag that says Ryan. I would love to connect with you and hear what's going on in your world. Uh, and there is also the day before um, team, uh, the top vendor alliance of AppFire, SmartBear, Tempo, and Adaptivist are doing App Day 2022 at the Venetian. So uh, we will include registration links for both Team 22 and App Day in the show notes. Sign up, come visit with us, come hang out in Vegas. Uh, uh, if you come see me, I'll get you in. I'll do my best to get you into the Adaptivist party, okay? I will do everything I can. If you come see me and say, podcast, I will do my best to get you into the Adaptivist party. Uh, yeah, see you in Vegas. And what happens in Vegas should all be very family friendly and perfectly <laughs> fine to discuss in the future. Mm -hmm. And that's it for this week's discussion of the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. As always, hit us up on social at Adaptivist. Tell us if you'll be in Vegas. Tell us if you found some Atlassian notes we have overlooked because they're always publishing in new and strange places without telling anybody. And if you like this podcast and other podcasts like it, be sure to check out the Adaptivist Podcast Network at adaptivist.com slash podcast. We hope to see you here and elsewhere. I mean, not actually see you because you can't see us. We can't see you. And really, that's for everybody's benefit. Uh, but we hope that you like, share, subscribe, give us some reviews, let us know what you think. And so for the last time, on behalf of Ryan Spilken and Brenda Burrell, this is Matthew Stubblefield signing off the Alaskan Ecosystem Podcast, a member of the Adaptivist Podcast Network. I'm pausing. There was a particular thing I wanted to say. Uh...